What a great joy to know that I am justified, justified, a great, great Bible word. Open your Bibles again to Titus chapter 2, and our text verse is verse number 13, Titus chapter 2, and verse number 13, and I'm preaching this morning the motivation, motivation of the second coming, motivation of the second coming, and I want to uh, do my best to put in our hearts and on our minds and to the place that we will think of when we go this week that Jesus is coming again. And here's what the Bible says, looking for that blessed hope, looking for it, looking for it, anticipating, exciting, uh, waiting, looking for that blessed hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray before I preach this morning in hunger and in thirst for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Bless the message as it's heard here in our church auditorium and then as it's heard in houses, Lord, and places across the nation. Those that are watching, I pray that this message uh, Lord, would uh, be in our hearts and minds. Help every child and teenager, every age person to receive the truth of the message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, perhaps the most captivating truth in the Bible is the second coming of Christ for his own. Now think about it. Jesus is coming again. Uh, it could be even uh, during uh, this message that we would hear uh, the sound of the trumpet and immediately uh, we would meet the Lord in the air. Jesus is coming again. I don't know anything that's more exciting for us than events uh, that are coming up in our lives. We all anticipate it. We look forward and, and life sort of revolves around uh, those events and activities uh, that are taking place. For example, I, I remember as a boy looking forward to be 13 and then 16 and then 21 and I quit looking forward. And, uh, but uh, but I, I remember the anticipation of a special uh, birthday, uh, the anticipation of a coming child. And uh, we have grandchild number six on the way, and we're anticipating that. And you have children on the way and grandchildren on the way, and there are things that we're anticipating. Nothing should be more exciting, captivating, or motivating in our life than the fact that Jesus is coming again. And uh, I want to uh, this morning talk about uh, how it should and how it motivates uh, the child of God. Christ comes three times. First of all, he came to his own. Uh, second time, he comes for his own. And the third time, he comes with his own. Uh, in Bethlehem, he came to his own. Uh, he's coming to meet us in the air. He's coming for his own. Now think about that. If you know Christ is Savior, uh, we're going to be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. If you don't know Christ as Savior, you'll be left behind. And the Bible gives in great detail of what's going to happen on the earth with the tribulation period and, and uh, then judgment after that. But Christ comes for his own and then uh, after that tribulation period, we come with Christ back to the earth and we rule and reign on the earth. Jesus is coming again. I'll say eight quick things about uh, his coming. First of all, he's coming again for his own. I'm glad I'm a part of his own. He's coming for me. 
I like what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 when it says, Why stand ye here gazing? Uh, this same Jesus that you've seen go shall so come in like manner. He's not sending an Uber or a taxi or an angel for me. He's coming himself uh, to receive his own. It's all right if you get excited. I'm excited about a lot of things, but not excited near as much as I am that Jesus is coming again. And then he can come at any time now. He can come any time now. Uh, folks often ask. I was uh, in the car uh, with my rider in the Philippines uh, last week, week before last. And one of, after uh, he introduced himself to me and uh, we talked for just a few minutes, he said, what do you think about this uh, uh, going on in Israel with the red heifer? And he said, I believe Jesus is coming soon. And I said, I don't know everything about that, but I know everything that is to be fulfilled has been and is being fulfilled, and Jesus could come right now. I actually told him I would like to go to heaven from Kentucky if he'll wait till I get out of the Philippines. It doesn't matter. I would have met you there, but we talked about that. He can come at any time now. Number three, his coming will be announced by the sounding of the trumpet. I like that. I like to hear uh, the orchestra, and especially I want to be used to the sound of the trumpet uh, because at the sounding of the trumpet, it will announce his coming. His, his coming will be quick in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, just gone. Amen. That's not a fairy tale. That's not imagination. It's not a hoax. Jesus is coming again in the air to meet us. We're going to meet him in the air. Number five, we don't know when he's coming again. We don't know. We don't know. I remember as a boy, uh, there was someone wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come in 1988. I had a copy of it and a copy of the book. And I thought, uh, you know, he may come before 1988. I don't know when he's coming, but he's coming. He is coming again. We don't know when. No man knows the day or the hour. He's coming for his children and it will be a surprise to the majority. Many will be left behind. That's the saddest thing I'll say today. Many will be left behind. Those that do not believe, those who have not received Christ as Savior will be left behind. Now the saved are glad for his coming. The saved are glad for the coming of Christ. Some folks are afraid of the signs of the time. I'm excited for the signs of the time. Now we're supposed to be watching for his return. We're supposed to be watching. It's supposed to be on our minds, not just in it, but on it. There's a difference in something being in your mind, something being on your mind. You know the question I hate worse on Sunday morning, what's his name? And I tell him, I'll tell you after church when I think of it. I can't think of it right now. And, but it's in there. We know it's in there, but we just, we just don't have it on our mind. Or you'll say, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, but the coming of Christ should be on our minds. The truth is the child of God ought to think of the return of Christ every single day. In fact, our lives ought to revolve around the fact and realize that Jesus is coming again. I'm going to give you several motivations this morning about the return of Christ and that being on our minds. First of all, those who are looking are faithful to the house of God. 
Those who are looking for his return are faithful to the house of God. Take your Bibles and go quickly to the book of Hebrews. You're in Titus. If you just turn right, turn right. Two or three pages, you'll be in Hebrews. Go to chapter 10. Uh, chapter 10. Those who are looking for his return are faithful to the house of God. I told the fellow in the Philippines, I'd like to go to heaven from Kentucky. Specifically, I'd like to go to heaven from right here. That'd be a wonderful thing. I just, uh, I just go to heaven up from right here. I want to be in the house of the Lord. There are folks this morning, in fact, I received messages last night and even this morning that said, I would give anything if I was able to be in church uh, tomorrow or in church this morning. Thank God you're able to be in church and those that are able to be in church and not be in church, you ought to be under conviction to the place that you get in church next Sunday morning. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Notice this phrase now, but exhorting one another and so much the more, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What's that day? That's the day of Christ's return. I was reading this week what statistics I could find, and I, I knew the first statistic was true, that the highest attendance of, of people attending church in America was in that period of 1955 to 1958. Uh, President Eisenhower uh, was even on the Back to God radio programs and telling folks of the importance of going to church. That number is down now to approximately 34% of folks, and that's a national average. Some states, I believe Alabama is the highest, and uh, some states are higher than others, but 34% of people attend church. That's down from uh, 50% of folks that was going, or 55% of folks that was going to church in the late 50s. Now, I want you to listen to me. Many things have been done to keep church attendance up. In fact, some have changed church into an entertainment center trying to get folks to come to church, even to get some religious entertainment. You know what I believe the greatest motivating factor is uh, to get folks to be faithful in church and to attend church is a daily relationship with Christ, understanding that Jesus can return uh, today. What a wonderful thought. Jesus could come today. He's coming again. And so we go to church. We want to learn how to live until he comes. Our text passage says in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people. Verse number 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's the message today. Jesus is coming again. We want to please him with our lives. We want to serve him in faith until he comes. When I was a boy, and I've, I've shared this illustration often, when I was a boy and my parents would go away for a day or two, uh, oftentimes to a preaching conference and my dad was a pastor and my two brothers and I, we would stay uh, with my grandparents that lived uh, right beside us there. And uh, my dad would most often say, now son, uh, you behave while we're gone. You know the same story that you get, you behave while I'm gone. I had to behave while he was there. I might as well behave while he was gone. And uh, he said, now here's some things I want you to do before I get back. Sometimes it would be uh, to clean the barn out. Sometimes it would be to cut the grass. Whatever it would be, dads always have a thousand things they want their children to do. 
don't we? And you ought to get them done. And, uh, and uh, my dad, he would say that, and you understand that, son? Yes, sir, I understand that. And then he was gone. Whew, I can take a break. And my grandmother would say, your dad will be back in a couple of days. You better get that done. You, you, your dad will be back. You better get that finished. You know what the Bible is saying? Jesus is coming again. You better live right. Jesus is coming again. You need to expect his coming. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Second of all, not only does it encourage us and challenge us and compel us to be faithful to church, uh, as you see the day approaching, also uh, those who are looking for his return, they take part in serving the Lord. Hebrews 10, 25, that last part of the verse says, exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Folks, Jesus is coming soon. We need to be winning people to Christ. We need to be serving God right now. The time is expiring. Think with me. If we knew Jesus was returning today, if I could convince you, if I knew, I don't know. No man knows when he's coming back. If I knew he was going to return at 9 p.m. this evening, you'd be in church. We'd want to serve him. We'd want to be in his will. We'd want to be faithful. We wouldn't want to be doing anything that would be displeasing to him. I've been teaching college classes now for more than 25 years. I taught at a college in Louisville a couple of years, and I've been teaching at our school for uh, 20 plus years. And, and here's what I've noticed about student activity and study. It's pretty predictable. First week of classes, everybody gets their requirements for class. Everybody has new books, new notebooks, everything new. They're excited about learning. And then as we get into the busyness of the schedule, uh, they have not only school, but they have work. And then school activities, maybe it's football or volleyball or basketball, they're involved in that. Maybe it's dating, and some wish it were dating. And, uh, and, and they get into the busyness of the schedule, and, and, and the studies sort of go by the side. Midterm comes, we say, all right, it's halfway there. And I want to remind you now, if you have 500 pages to read in this class, 250 should have already been read. And they'd already planned to read it all before they got to midterm, and all of a sudden midterm came. But you know what happens when we say, now two weeks is final exams. You know what they do? They extend study hours. They have all night study. Some of you young people look like you're under terrible conviction. Some of you are turning yellow with conviction here. And we, 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 we get to the place that it's time for the final exam. And all of a sudden, the late night studies and, and all of the reading and all of the cramming. Hey, folks, I want to tell you something. Jesus is coming soon. The final exam is soon to take place. We're going to stand before him soon. We need not waste the day. We need not waste the month. We need not waste our life. But we ought to serve Christ. He's coming again. By the way, if I knew Jesus wasn't coming for a hundred years, I don't have a hundred years to live. 
I'm going to go meet the Lord. And those who pay attention to time and those of us who have been taught and we work to number our days and we don't know how long we're going to live. We know the average life is three score and ten and there's some that God gives extra years to. But if 70 were the number that we would look at and say that's how long I have to live, we don't have time to waste in serving the Lord. It's my job as a preacher not to tell you about the movies and the entertainment and the football games and all that. It's my job to tell you this morning, Jesus is coming again. And we don't live our life in anticipation of a next football game or a next baseball game, but we live our life in anticipation of the fact that Jesus is coming again and he could come in this very day. I think of Hezekiah. I love Hezekiah. What, 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 a, what a great king he was. I want you to listen to the words and I'll read from the book of Isaiah chapter 38. The Bible said in the days that Hezekiah was sick unto death and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, have I walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight? And Hezekiah wept. Sore. Now God heard his prayer and extended his days. In fact, Isaiah wasn't away from the property of Hezekiah. And God spoke to his heart and said, Isaiah, go back and tell Hezekiah, I heard his prayer and I'm going to extend his life and I'm going to give him more years to live. But Hezekiah all of a sudden realized, hey, I don't have forever to live and my days are numbered. And he began to seek the face of God and he wept sore. Dear friend, if we really thought and we really realized not only that Christ could come today but I could go out into eternity in just a short time I want to be faithful in serving God I got a text message from brother Dunn this week that told me that his wife's brother uh, went to heaven suddenly this week age 65 his, his family, as I said, many of them are preachers and faithful servants of the Lord. And I forget which brother it was I text and said, I, I just want you to know I'm praying for the family and the home going of your brother. And, 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 he said, and, and he said about his brother, he said, you know, he was a healthy man. He, he, could, he, he still hiked. He could still run. He said, but he couldn't sing at all. But he can now. Just like that, age 65. Now, it used to, I used to call people old men that were 65. I don't do that anymore. 65, I can see it. I'm, 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 I can see it. Not far away. But death could come at any time. Say, preacher, you're trying to scare us this morning. No, but I'm trying to get you sober. I'm trying to get you sober-minded because life is not about the next. I'm not against having fun, and I'm going to enjoy life. I've enjoyed life this week, and I'm going to enjoy it every day that God gives me. But I want to live it in light of the fact that Jesus is coming soon, and death could come at any hour. Those who are looking for his return are holding fast to the truth. 
Those that are looking for his return. Those that are expecting to see Christ soon. They hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to the truth. May I say this morning, you ought to get a hold of the truth. There's a lot of deception and Satan is in the deceiving business. And there's a lot of things out there and you can find anything you want on the World Wide Web and on social media. But we're holding in our hands this morning the word of truth. And we need to hold fast to the word of truth. These verses tell us, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 13, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. By the way, there's no need for you to doubt your salvation. No need to doubt it. No need to doubt your salvation. Salvation is given for a child to understand. It's not complicated. It doesn't take and, and it doesn't take the faith of a senior citizen and the understanding of an adult. It takes the faith of a child to know Christ as Savior. You remember the days when we traveled and we used a map, maybe a book of maps? What, what, what did you do when you got the feeling that you were on the wrong road? You ever get that feeling? You're driving down the road and all of a sudden you get this feeling. It seems like we're on the wrong road. What do you do? You picked up the map. You looked at the map and you looked at the road sign. Your wife said, see, I told you. Anyway, anyway, they say the reason children of Israel wandered in the wilderness 40 years, even then men wouldn't stop and ask for directions. Uh, but uh, but, 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 but you, you looked at the map and what did it do? When you saw the road sign that matched the map, there was an assurance in your heart. You don't need to listen to those that would cause doubt. When you have doubt or concern about your salvation, just pick up the road map. Just pick up the word of God. And the Bible says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It said, Whosoever will. And it said, Not just for adults, but it said the child. And the child's faith was the example that was given for the crowd that was there. The Bible says, Hold fast to the truth. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. It's interesting to me how we, how we quickly believe doubts in our minds. And, and, and we'll believe a doubt, we'll let somebody sow a seed of doubt that has absolutely no authority at all in that matter. God has all authority and all power in heaven and earth. And Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And what the Bible says about salvation is what is true about salvation. What is true is not what the preacher says because the preacher said it. The preacher's right if the word of God says it. And we need to hold fast our profession of faith. Now folks, Satan works to attack our faith in the truth. The book of Galatians is written to a church. The Bible said they had been bewitched. They had been tricked. They had been told not only do you receive Christ by grace through faith, you have to work and you have to make sure you hold on to Judaism and you have to offer all of those sacrifices. Paul said, who, and it's always a who, who hath bewitched you? 
Oh, folks, hold fast to truth. Hold fast to the faith. The devil works and he wants to cause us to become a compromiser, to become a modernist. I want to be a realist and just believe what God says. If God said it, that settles it and our faith should be found in him. Then I want to say those who are looking for his, turn, for his return want others to be saved. Those that are looking for his return. When I realize Jesus is coming again, that motivates me giving a gospel track. That motivates me witnessing to someone else when I think about the fact he's coming again. Now hear me well. When Christ comes and we meet Christ in the air, there'll never be another opportunity for you to trust Christ as Savior after the return of Christ. And I've heard folks say, I've had folks tell me, no, 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 I'll believe afterwards. No, you won't, not according to the scripture, you won't. And we're living in a day of deception. We're living in that day. Those who are watching for his return want to see others saved. Here's what Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 8. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. Paul faced great danger just to witness, but he knew this could be the last opportunity for them to hear the gospel of Christ. And folks, I want you to know if you're watching me online and you're here this morning, you could be hearing your last opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ. If you're not saved, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior today. You ought to be urgent and you ought to, and you ought to be active in the matter of your family knowing Christ as Savior and your friends and co-workers knowing Christ as Savior. Recently in Florida, in this last hurricane, there were daring attempts to rescue people who were in danger during the hurricane there. I, I don't watch the news very much. I'm not, uh, I don't enjoy propaganda and all the foolishness, but when it comes to reporting on something like the hurricane, I, I, I watched that just to see what was going on. One of the saddest stories I heard, here's what they said. At a certain time, we will not be answering calls to 911. Here's what they said. This is the last warning. You need to get out. You need to leave. Because at a certain time, what was sad, they later said, folks called emergency services and no one answered. Right now, you can call on Christ and he'll answer you today. But I'm, I'm sad to tell you, that when the time comes of Christ's return, you'll not hear any more calls for salvation. I read recently an article about 911 services here in central Kentucky needing to hire more dispatchers. And they said the time of wait was at, it was at the longest time ever that it was taking up to three minutes to get a call answered, 911. I believe that number is right or very close, three minutes. We're very blessed in America. We can dial 911, typically we can get an answer just like that. Police, fire, EMT. I know this right now, there are enough dispatchers in heaven. You call on him, he'll save you right now. 
Oh, and he's coming again. We need to live sober-minded, realizing Jesus is coming again. Sometimes folks will say to me, Preacher, you, you get a little aggressive in preaching and aggressive in, in witnessing and, and, and aggressive in, 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 in our work of the church. Folks, we must be aggressive. Jesus is coming soon. And I don't know when he's coming, but I know he could come today. Last of all, and I'll not spend a long time here as I close the message those who are looking for his return are neither surprised nor disturbed by world conditions. I read to you the words of Christ. Luke 21, 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. Now think about that. What is distress of nations with perplexity? We, 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 have, we have mental issues going on in our world today. We're begging countries that we are at odds with to sell us oil while we sit on oil. We do business with one nation. We don't want to do business with them because of the way they treat this nation. We don't want to support Russia and their attack of Ukraine. We don't want to buy their oil. You see, we are at a time of distress of nation with perplexity. The sea and waves roaring. You watch the National Weather Channel and see if they're not talking about events are taking place that have never taken place. They have an answer. It's global warming and it's your fault. I have a better answer. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now listen to this statement. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. I was flying home recently and beside me was a gentleman my age and I asked, do you live in Kentucky? He said, well, I do now. And I said, well, welcome to Kentucky. Where are you from? He said, our family just moved from California. I said, what brings you to Kentucky? He said, it's not necessarily to Kentucky. It's just to get away from what's going on in California. And there are folks here this morning from California just moved to Kentucky because of the same reasons that he said. He said, we're paying $7.60 a gallon for gas. He went on and on. He said, all of these strange and crazy things are happening, I can't imagine. Just like Jesus spoke about it here in the book of Luke. Here's what he said. When these things begin, when they begin, lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. Stand with me this morning. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you ought to trust him. Jesus is coming soon. The Bible said also in the last days scoffers shall come. Scoffers are everywhere. 
just, just look on any, any social media. You don't have to work hard. In fact, there are things that are there that we wish weren't there. Folks used to be serving God. Now they're scoffing. We're there at that time. Lift up your head, folks. Jesus is coming soon. Heavenly Father, I pray that your soon return and certainly the beginning, and yet, Lord, we've seen these things happening for most of my adult life. Certainly the beginning is past, and your return is imminent. I pray that you'd help us to put our lives, our families, our church, everything in focus with the soon return of Christ. I pray, Lord, for those that are here today that do not know you as Savior, that today they would trust you as their personal Savior right now today. And I pray, Lord, those that need to make spiritual decisions would. In Jesus' name I pray.